Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we go north as far as we can go to the cold, bitter depths of Eastern Europe to check out some Bekharovka. Yes, to check the Czech, because Bekharovka is the national drink of the Czech Republic. Hmm. Tune in to find out more. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. So, yes, Behrovka. That is what we are talking about today. And, uh... Don't try and uh, spell it like it's pronounced, because it's spelt like uh, Bechorovka, with yes. a, a, a uh, B-E-C-H. Yeah, initially we thought it was Bechorovka. Bechorovka, something yeah. like that. Um, but I guess we're attempting to make it sound a little like Russian, because we're assuming that the Czech Republic, Czech language is a lot like Russian. I'm not sure. I don't really know that the answer to that question, because uh, we're a booze podcast, not a linguistics podcast. Mm, that's true. <laughs> if you are a linguistics podcast and you'd like to tell us how it should be pronounced, yeah, let us know. Let us know. Send us an email to a good drop at gmail dot com. That's right. Hmm. So, this is uh, something that we found ourselves not particularly surprised to be like other things we've talked about before mm. by which i mean this is a herbal liqueur yes and the similarities to other herbal liqueurs we've talked about before doesn't actually end there uh, as we go through the history of this interesting drink uh we'll note you may uh we'll we'll keep the answer to the end um but let's see if you guys can guess which it is which uh, which drink it has a lot of similarities to? Yeah, apart from I mean, it's a herbal liqueur, so yeah, many, but in, <laughs> but it's not Jägermeister. It's but it's not Jägermeister. No, it is not. But our story, the Bechrovka story, begins in 1794 with Josef Vitis Becher, who was responsible for the creation of the spirit. Mm. He owned a, a, basically a trading shop called the House of the Three Woodlarks, or, oh, you tried to pronounce this before, didn't you? Is this the one you tried to pronounce before? Dum o tri scrivanu? I have a, sorry, sorry for butchering that. Um, and in that shop, he traded in spices, colonial goods, uh, alcoholic beverages, um, but as as you said in 1974, he oh did I say 1974 sorry, or 1794? Seven, sorry, seven in nineteen in 1974, it's still the 90s, right? Uh, in uh, 1794, he uh, rented a still house and began experiments with uh, distillates. Yes, he had a special interest in crafting spirits, and uh, also worked in the field of public affairs. As a councillor and a mayor. A mayor? Really? Yes. Huh. Yes, and he was married twice. His first wife died of pneumonia. And he had 16 children. See, all up. Holy shit. 
but only five sons and two daughters lived longer than he did. Because, you know, 1700s. Yeah, and, 18th uh, century. Yeah. And yes. so his business practice was taken over by his son, Johann Nopomuk Becher, in 1838. And what he had begun, of course, was the start of playing around with different liquors, attempting to make what would later become Beharovka. And so in 1805, Prince Maximilian Friedrich von Plettenberg came to Karlsbad to be cured of an ailment, and he was accompanied by his personal doctor, Dr. Christian Frobrig, hailing from England. That's not an English last name. (laughs) It's really not. But Dr. Frobrig was a frequent visitor at... Jan, short for Johann, Becher's house. They frequently met to discuss herbs and their many healing powers. And when Dr. Frobrig left, he gave Jan Becher the gift of a new revolutionary liqueur recipe. And Jan Becher tested the recipe many times over the course of two years before he began selling it in 1807 as English bitter, aimed to cure stomach illness. Hmm. So then in May of 1807, the three woodlucks industry made its first sale. English bitter sold, and it sold well for the purpose of curing stomach illness. It became widely popular within the city, and people flocked for miles seeking the proven cure for stomach illness. And unlike herbs and seasoning that were sold in grams, Becker's drink was a magic concoction of herbs and spices that eased the stomach of the patient and also the soul. Which sounds like a lot of uh, liqueurs at the time. They definitely made you feel better, but mostly because they were full of booze. Yeah, and this is certainly no exception. It's 38%. It is by no means a weak liqueur. Mm. Uh, so, in the uh, in the first half of the 19th century, it was sold in Szczecin, a year later in Vienna and Munich, and in 1938... It, 1838. Sorry, 1830. Why do I keep saying 1938? I need to get my eyes checked. Uh, and in ni- 1838... I nearly said it again. In 1838, it finally arrived in Paris. And during the First World War, Becherovka arrived... We keep pronouncing this wrong, too. Yeah. We're off to a great start today. We should have had some of this before we started. Uh, Becherovka arrived... in to Spain, Italy, Turkey, and Egypt. But it was only in 1934, after the end of Prohibition, where when Beharovka uh, managed to arrive into the United States, and four years after that, arrived in England. That surprises me. Because uh, I would have thought that uh, had Beharovka conquered Europe Eastern Europe and then Western Europe, that they would have made it made its way to England far sooner than across the pond. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it stands to reason. But mm. I would guess that it maybe made its way to America first because there was quite a presence during the war mm. in Europe of the Americans towards towards the end. True. And the Dutch did a lot of trading 
So that might have something to do with it too. Yeah. And so after the Second World War, Behorovka received a permission to only export 500 bottles a year. But in 1960, it became 100 hectoliters a year. That's a lot of boots. Yeah. So Behorovka was one of the most popular export goods of the socialist Czechoslovakia. Mm. It's not the Czech Republic yet. No. So... Uh, in uh, So, backtracking a little bit, in 1838, the son of Josef Becker, Jan, took over the colonial trade of liqueur, making the family house, liqueur making in the family house at the Three Woodlarks. Uh, he's considered the founder of the company responsible of the development of the Becherovka production for the course of almost 40 years. And during this time, he bought a new factory, gave the family three inheritors, and Jan's signature stamp of Vekharovka's traditional quality and taste can be found on every iconic bottle in production today. Yes, and iconic bottle is correct, because in 1866, upon commencing construction of their new factory, Jan requested that his brother-in-law, Karol Laub, design a new bottle for Vekharovka. And that's when the legendary <clears throat> that's when the legendary flat shape of the bottle came to be. And then later in nineteen oh seven, that same bottle shape would take on the greenish hue we see in it today. Hmm. And yeah, so it was in eighteen sixty seven that they moved to their new factory in Steinberkey, with the the original site of production had initially been based in Philadelphia. But Three Woodlarks had grown too much. And so Jan's brother-in-law, Carol Laub, was doubtful about the decision to relocate because the area seemed to be outside of the city's rush. But doubts were apparently forgotten after the first train arrived at Carlsbad. A new era had begun, and Carlsbad, Steinberkey, and Becker's liqueur soon after became regionally and nationally recognised. A revolutionary business of the new world. Hmm. How about that? So, now seems like a good time to taste this uh, mystery liqueur. Because, as you probably have worked out, we have not had this before. We haven't. We haven't tried it yet. But it is a herbal liqueur, and we do like them. Hmm. Me, me too. Me especially. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of these herbal liqueurs. I'm half surprised it didn't come with a cork because because a lot of these um, old-style beverages come with a cork. Although chartreuse didn't, doesn't come with a cork. And that's pretty old and traditional. True. Well, yeah. Already I'm loving the smell of this. Interesting. Oh, wow. It smells really herby. Mm. As you'd expect from a herbal liqueur, but there's a a sweetness to the smell of it as well. Mm. Um, There's anise, there's licorice. Oh, that's the same thing. Anise, what else is there? A bit of ginger. Yeah, definitely ginger. Cinnamon? Yeah, cinnamon, yeah. a little clove, 
And a lot of other ingredients. I reckon there's a bit of caraway in there too. That's a uh, European herb. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And certainly one thing that should be recalled about this is that the recipe, as with pretty much all herbal liqueurs, apart from a few obvious things, is a secret. Mm. So, um, shall we? Yes, let's. Cheers. Cheers. Wow. That's a really interesting taste. Ooh, it's got spice to it. Mm. It's uh yeah, there's heat. Not uh yeah. not just alcohol heat, but like ginger spice. Yeah, like oh, I some like it. very serious yeah, me too. It's like serious spicy mm. and like the the flavors sort of change. It starts off a little bit sweet and anisey and then the spice kicks in. Yeah. I, I was it, right in guessing it's uh, a winter style drink. So we're we're sipping it to taste the flavors, but I believe this is meant to be shot. But I will well, I will check. <laughs> yes, we're going to uh, Mickle's going to check. I'm going to keep describing. Um the there's not that much alcohol flavor which is quite heartening. I like booze that doesn't taste like uh, paint stripper um but yeah this is this is warming like i'm feeling it warming my soul like they said in the history yeah oh yeah you definitely it warms your mouth and then it just moves down and yeah it warms you from the inside out mm. so it seems that it's something that you can basically drink however you want mm like that it can be an aperitif, it can be an ingredient in a cocktail, it can be a digestive. <laughs> you can drink it neat, you can drink it chilled. So, well, I'm sure we could shot it, we could also sip it, we could mix it into something. Well, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, shotting it because that's how, you, I think that's how you're supposed to drink Jägermeister. Mm, that is true. You do normally shot Jägermeister. So the uh, apparently there's on tourist secrets. The Czech locals advise first-time drinkers of Bekarovka to avoid drinking it neat or with ice. Bekarovka is a bitter liqueur with an acquired taste. Instead, it's recommended to mix a shot of the liqueur with thick juice such as pear or pineapple. So, actually, that makes it sound like you sip it. Yeah, it does. But I suppose that's if you're mixing it with... Well, they're suggesting to mix it to make it more palatable. Yeah. But compared to Amaro, this is not bitter. This doesn't even register to me as bitter. Um, It's spicy. It's like ginger spice. Like, after you read that, describing it as bitter, I thought, oh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. But... Not in a enormously noticeable way. There's a sweetness to it and a spiciness mm. to it, and yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, shot the rest of this just to see how we go. Right, I will do the same then. All right, cheers, cheers. Oh, that works well. It actually does. Yeah. 
Like I'm not. Oh. I I like being being a herbal liqueur, being sweet, being full of spice. It just coats your mouth mm. with all these interesting flavors, and you're left with a warming feeling in your chest. And yeah, when you shot it, rattle and sip it, it's a whole different experience. I I think I pref- I think I prefer shots. It's more, what's more flavorful? Mm. Like the flavors are the same, but they're stronger. They're bolder. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You're putting the whole drink in your mouth. Well, passing it through, really. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I like it. This this uh. What do you? What would you rate this, Mickle? We haven't uh, tried this before. We need to mm, rate it. We do. We need to bottle cap it. I think I would probably, on my herbal liqueur scale, rating it against other herbal liqueurs, mm. probably an eight. I think. This. I, mean, I know I've been giving out a lot of eights lately, but I feel as though mm. this is up there. Yeah. For me, in herbal liqueurs that I'm fond of, and I'm in tasting it. Already getting fantastic ideas for combinations I can use it in for a cocktail. Oh, yeah. Because it's got so many interesting flavors for mixing. Well, they do suggest drinking this with tonic water. Well, it tastes like something that's very versatile. Mm. And certainly it's very popular in bars and can, in fact, be used in a Bekharovka cocktail, Mm. which is basically just a gin and tonic but with the gin replaced yeah with Bechorovka and I would yeah I would see that working I would also use this as a replacement for brandy or a substitute for brandy uh, given it's given the kind of flavours that would uh, enhance a cocktail uh, and like you know using it where you'd use brandy in a Christmas cake or mulled wine. This could definitely enhance those flavours. Oh yeah, very much so. Hmm. And I'm yeah quite impressed because it's um yeah it's a pretty straightforward cinnamon and clove liqueur with just the right amount of sweetness. Yeah. But that bit of bitterness on on the back end and. Mm. Yeah, really, any super sweet liqueur that you might mix with something, this would balance it. Mm. I I do think it might be slightly more bitter if it was freezer cold at uh, minus eighteen, because uh, we we are drinking it chilled, not uh, not ice 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 cold. Um, but the yeah, that would uh, mellow the sweetness a little bit. And yeah, I think this would be this would be a very good drink. I would rate this a nine. I really oh. like it. Um, maybe eight and a half because it's very hard to get in Australia. Yeah, very very true. We had to jump online to acquire our bottle of it. Mm. Had to had to get this imported. Yes, we certainly couldn't find it at our favourite liquor store, which was very upsetting for mm. us. Yeah, we can usually get everything from there. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like it. I really like these flavors. It it tastes like a cross between chartreuse and um, 
Jägermeister. Yeah, I think it kind of does. Sort of fits in the space between those two. It's obviously not as thick and syrupy as either of those two. Um, definitely not as sweet as Chartreuse. Oh, actually, it might be about as sweet as Chartreuse. Maybe slightly lower in the sweetness, um, but not definitely not as sweet as Jägermeister. Oh, yeah, no, certainly not. Though I feel like you could use it in a similar fashion mixed with an energy drink. Yeah. Because I, I think it would counter the sweetness of, say, a, a Red Bull or a Monster quite well. Yeah. I can't say I've had any of those for a while, so I don't really know. Um, Yeah, I like it. Would I get it? I'd, I would buy it again if it wasn't so hard to get. Yeah. Yes, I, I think I probably would as well if it weren't so hard to come by. I'll probably... It's likely that I will try to hold on to this as long as I can. Yeah. Because I'll want to have it there and won't want to go to the effort of getting more of it. Mm. Because it's good, but it's a lot of effort to have to import it. Yeah. that Well, that's the same reason I still have a bottle of 30-year-old whiskey in my cupboard because it's like I will never buy it again and so I'm only bringing it out on on occasion and so there's still like a quarter of bottle left yeah which is sensible now I guess mm. speaking of sensible we should talk about the business of Bechorovka and the company and who owns it yeah, well, because it is no longer the Becker family. After the war, and the war we're talking about is, of course, not the World War, but the revolution that occurred in the former Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic. The Becker family's business was nationalized and state-owned for 57 years. Hmm. But then, from 1997 until 2001, they began the process of privatizing it and floated it on the stock market, at which time a little-known company called Pernod Ricard bought almost 100% of the shares. (laughs) Certainly a controlling percentage. I mean, almost 100%. Almost done. Basically, like, 99. Yeah, enough that they get to choose what happens with it. Yeah, pretty much. And another uh, interesting tidbit about this drink is that in... uh, Between 1998 and 2003, a Slovak version of this drink was also sold. Manufactured by a Zdenek Hoffman, domestically Domaz Lis and sold in Slovak shops. He claimed that Alfred Becher had given his grandfather the recipe in 18... Now I've got him backwards. 1937... Far out. 1939, with the rights to manufacture the uh, product, since he had been worried that the secret of his recipe might not survive the war. However, Hoffman was unable to provide this, prove this in court, and in 2000 and eight was sentenced to one and a half years in jail for his daring to duplicate this drink, which mm. is 
kind of bullshit well, because he's making. Can you copyright a recipe? Um, I suppose you can. I mean, if like it's labeled as trade secrets, hmm. and yeah, I don't know if you can copyright a recipe or not. Maybe I suppose ask ask Colonel Sanders. Did he copyright the seven herbs and spices? <laughs> the eleven secret herbs and spices. Uh, who knows? Yes, did he copyright those herbs and spices? Did he? Who knows? Uh, so the Czech producer also, uh, so the the guys that are currently producing Beharovka state that the only that only two people know the secret of the entire production process and are and only they are allowed to enter the drogi kamar drogi kamar room. I'm assuming that's like the uh, mash room, the mash creation room. Mm, the herb mixing room. Yeah, where once a week they mix the herbs and spices. There you go, the herb mixing room. And, uh, yeah. To then steep in the base spirit to make the herbal liqueur. Mm. So only two people know it, know the uh, entire recipe. Yeah, I wonder if those people are monks. From France? From France, yeah. Are, are they, in fact, French monks? <laughs> it, it does sound a lot like Chartreuse. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, if, uh, there's a, there's definitely a few similarities between those two drinks. Yeah. And a few similarities in flavors, but... They are very definitely not the same recipe. No. And, you know, how different can you make a herbal liqueur? Well, yeah, it's herbs, and there are only so many herbs in existence. Hmm. Well, the 100 secret herbs and spices from the Chartreuse Mountains is uh, definitely going to make something different. Oh, yeah. And still, no one's worked out what those herbs are. No, and surely people have tried... Well, yeah, like, scientists have tried. Yeah, chemical compound tests and all sorts of things. And maybe yeah. they know, but they've been paid off. Maybe. I'm pretty sure Pernod Ricard controls the distribution of that one. Yeah, they, they probably do. And they may well have actually copyrighted it to the point where even if somebody did find out, they wouldn't be able to get away with releasing it. Mm. There's one thing that you do see all over the place is recipes for how to duplicate the taste of some secret recipe. Yeah. And it's not the secret recipe, but it makes something that tastes an awful lot like it. Mm. And it's probably because there isn't quite enough herbs in there. They're probably just taking a shortcut because a hundred different herbs is a lot of herbs. And if you're only making a small batch, it's very hard to use like one gram of herbs. Well, yes. Or half a gram of herbs. Half a gram of herbs. Half a gram of this, quarter gram of that. Whereas when you're making a thousand liters, it's 10 grams of this and a hundred grams of this. Yeah. That said, though, what is that? Um, what is the name of that thing where they've got like the memory of a drop of some sort of thing inside water and apparently it's a medicine. Homeopathy? 
That's it, yes. If if homeopaths, though, can manage to put a millionth of a of a drop of something into a <laughs> vial, then surely, surely someone can work out how to put, you know, a thousandth of a gram of something into their own homebrew chartreuse. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but on that note, I think we've started rambling, so... We have. It's time to call it a day. So if you liked what you heard, everybody please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Google Play. Yes, you can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Mm. And if you want to check out our quite large library of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, or if you've had Becherovka and have a favourite cocktail it's in, let us know what it is. Send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Geneva. Hmm. Dutch gin. It's going to be good, I hope. I'm excited. Yeah, like, yeah so, so am I. I've slowly started to warm up to gin. And the bottle is impressive. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. But you'll, you guys will see you next week. So until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>